Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. Jamestown Mayor Kim Eklund talks about her first 30 days as mayor, homelessness issues, bike lanes, and more. We welcome Jamestown Mayor Kim Ecklin to the WRFA studios today to give a monthly update. So welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Julia. So we are at the beginning of February. You've now had your first 30 days in office. How are things going? Uh, you know, it's it's going well. I, there's a lot. I, there's not a moment, honestly, that I've had really to sit down for well over a half an hour, maybe an hour, that I haven't had something going on. Um, so I'm just still really, honestly, I know people don't want to hear this, but really just rolling into the job, trying to wrap my hands around everybody that wants to meet, everybody that wants to come in, things that are going on, things, immediate needs that need to be addressed, and just things that pop up. You have had some updates, though. You gave one of them to city council members last night, and that's changes in the assessor's department. Absolutely. Um, I'm, we had a retirement as of January 2nd. Lisa Volpe retired as the assessor and uh, took a little bit here to come up with a plan. But as you are aware, Randy Holcomb, the former assessor, has been part of my transition team. And my transition team, although quiet, is still very active. And um, worked with Randy and and actually honestly pulled in the other former assessor, Kevin Okerlin, to look at some options and some plans. Um, unfortunately, no one in that office to date is an assessor, so we had to think a little bit outside the box. Um, so that being said, I'm very proud to have back um, Heather Young-Dial, who worked for the city a while ago. She actually came in when we did the reval and worked for Gar Associates. Um, then was hired by the city and left the city and is now coming back. And has I have hired her as a little more than part-time, half-time um, for the week as the assessor. Um, she also is an assessor for many towns and villages in the area. Um, she will be the main assessor. However, I did opt to help her because of timing, vacation, things, to bring in another part-time assessor who's really, I don't want to say a minimal role, but much less of a role, but however, also is a certified assessor. Her name is Annie Galley, and she is going to be helping. They'll both be in this week. Um, and then we've hired con- uh, contractually, kind of like the Joe Bolito role in Kevin Okerlund, but this came out to, it sounds like a lot, but it came out to three people working part-time, if you will, with no benefits amounted to at least a twenty-three dollars to $25,000 savings plus health insurance for the city. So we're going to give this a try and see how it works um, and see how it goes. Obviously, we hope it goes very smoothly and well and there's no issues and this is the path, but it's kind of modeling back to the former years when we had multi multi-cities and villages working out of City Hall. And I was just going to bring that up, that this sounds similar to when we had someone who would work in the assessor's office, but also collaborated with uh, and work for the other towns and villages, because we we are maybe a big county land size wise, but really when it comes to towns and villages, we're still, they're very small. Correct. 
So it should be a seamless transition for the general public. Um, the only difference, as I mentioned last year, or last night, excuse me, is the fact that they are assessors in many towns and villages between the two of them, that we're just going to push our grievance day for the city a week later. Um, and that local law will be coming forward. And there's nothing hidden, no hidden agenda there other than just wanting them here for that whole day and not to be focused on other towns and villages on Grievance Day. So it, it'll be solely committed to the city of Jamestown on that Grievance Day. All right. You also made a, an appointment, You and, and you had your first board meeting with the board, uh, Jamestown Board of Public Utilities, and you made an appointment at the end of January of, of a new member for the board. Correct. Actually, we did one in January at the inauguration. So we brought Marie, we had... Um, actually four vacancies this year, believe it or not, um, because some were filling terms of people who have left and just some other things that happened. So uh, Marie Karuba came on as a new board member, although she's been on before. She's not foreign, She's not new to the BPU board for sure, and obviously active in the city still, and I think is a great fit. Um, I did reappoint Greg Anderson, and he was elected the chair at the first board meeting last last month now, I guess, um, as well as reappointed Lana Houston. Um, and so she's back on. And then the fourth one finally came the end of last month, um, and that was Ralph Wallace. Ralph is a community member, very active in the manufacturing world, Jamestown resident, Jamestown property owner, uh, I think will also serve as a great tool on the BPU, but also not foreign, had served there for a brief period before. Um, so I think with all the things coming down the pike for the BPU with the green energy changes and things, I think this is going to be a great fit with some people who, you know, although they're new and things have changed, they're also not totally naive to the process of the BPU. Right. Uh, one of the other things that happened in regards to city council last night is that we had officials from the county legislature and county administration who came to give an update on their efforts to bring back commercial air service and regain the essential air service designation for the Jamestown Air Force. So forgive the pun, but yes. how essential is commercial air for this area? I, I do think it's critical, but it also, as we discussed last night and you heard, it has to be competitive, right? So, yeah, if it's $60 more but I'm not paying for parking, that makes it competitive. Um, I, you know, many businesses, and of course, when I was in the private sector, you know, our parent company is in, Toronto, is in Canada, so they would fly private jets. I'm aware of the traffic that comes out of in and out of that airport. There is also a lot of people with private pilot licenses. So the airport itself is sustainable. I just think... I, I think it is a big piece, uh, like everyone else last night at the meeting, that's the first I've heard of some of the details. Um, so I, I think it's very promising, and I think they have their first meeting tomorrow for the new airport commission, and, and with this study and the direction they're going, it'll be interesting to hear what comes out of that. Mm -hmm. How will the city be involved with this air service recovery program, which is the study that we've all re mm -hmm. referred to as the marketing study, but now we know it has a more official yeah. name to it. Yeah. Uh, I think in any way we can help and add and get people to communicate with them of what their needs and desires are through the manufacturing or manufacturers around here, through people locally who travel a lot, you know, what are they looking for? So I think Although we're not really a direct part of it, I think we can be instrumental in helping get the word out and getting people to answer those surveys that they're doing and those questions that they have and what direction they're looking for. All right. We've hit a fairly a stretch of fairly mild weather 
for January and for February. Uh, but we do have a forecast that shows snow and cold temperatures coming back by next week. And with that, there is this concern over where those without housing can go now that the UCAN City Mission is temporarily closed to the discovery of asbestos. And while coordinating services for the homeless falls to the County Department of Social Services, has a city been involved in any efforts or discussions on how to help the homeless here in a city? Absolutely. I know the public is thinking we're not doing anything because we're not pushing out some information, but this isn't an easy fix um, to anybody who has been involved. It's not that we haven't been integral. Um, we were aware that the UCAN was closing a day or so before they announced it. Um, so... Uh, Crystal Serdic, myself, worked very hard to try to get with some of the board members and see what was going on. And then with the resignation, just emulating the problems there, um, they kind of, they themselves were a little bit overwhelmed. But um, working very great and closely with Joy Fellowship, I can't be more ecstatic to have them back on board. I know it's a lot of work. I know it's a big commitment to house those from the UCAN who were living there and residing there. Um, but that's only the short-term fix for the UCAN. The big question is, where's our where's our cold shelter going, right? Um, we do know that Rome was awarded that. Uh, recovery options made easy. Um, they were awarded through the county, the homeless shelter. I do know uh, through Crystal and DOD, they have been around looking at some buildings. But again, there's only so much we as a city can do when they were awarded the, the grant or the money to do that, but I do believe it will be coming and hopefully before next week. So that's actually on my list of to-dos today because of those cold temperatures coming to follow up on that. Mm -hmm. um, and another thing, and this is totally unrelated to the homelessness issue, but uh, City Council voted down a proposal last month to have bike lanes added to East 2nd Street when the DOT does, uh, I should say the state DOT does a reconstruction of the street in 2025. And we've seen e-bikes and scooters and bicycling becoming more popular. And so what what is the city looking at in terms of maybe addressing some of the, the needs of cyclists and scooters and things like that without now that 2nd Street's kind of off the, the planning map? Second Street is a very tough street because it's a mix of residential and business and obviously a thoroughfare and a main gate to the city. Um, the difference between that and Washington, the state didn't give us an option on, on Washington or the, the that was basically just thrown at us. Here's what we're going to do. So they although they had community discussions about it and input and took input, there was no choice for the city. The county was a little different on Second Street and said, uh, you put it up for a vote you let us know if you want them or not. So this was a little bit more public engagement, if you will. Um, so the public spoke loud and clear to the to the members of council that they didn't want it. And council members uh, voted the way they felt they should be, and that did not pass. So as far as I'm aware of right now, there will not be a bike lane on 2nd Street. So unless the county changes something or does something down the road. I think you mean the state. Or the state. Yes. No, no, second is county. Oh, it is. Second is county. Okay. So the county is the one who came forward with that one, whereas Washington was state. Okay. Yeah, that's the difference. A little right. confusing difference this year. You mm -hmm. can verify it with me, but I'm pretty certain that all that came from the county. Okay. Um, so that being said, as you know, we have a comprehensive plan coming. We have all those things that are coming up soon and due, and, and we are, are going to need to address the fact of e-bikes and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't, maybe this is something that comes under that comprehensive plan. Um, there had been a suggestion of, do we look at 
secondary streets like Faulkner, Faulkner. Streets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can think of other streets around Second Street that don't necessarily maybe all run all the way through, but Faulkner definitely runs all the way from Prendergast into the well into Village of Lakewood to sure. Work Street, I think. Uh, so that not being as big of a street as Second Street, I mean, it's only two lanes of traffic plus parking is that. I don't know. It's a big parking street, too. You know, it's easy to say, why not use Faulkner Street? But that's more residential than Second. And and some of those places, like across from Lillian Dixon in particular, in that area, and then you get down a little bit further heading towards Buffalo Street, don't have residential driveways either. So we'd possibly be in the same boat there as well. Um, I certainly I'm not opposed to looking at any option, but we have to also be conscientious of the residents and things there too. Mm-hmm. Good points. <laughs> I hadn't thought about the whole residential aspect for Faulkner. Mm-hmm. Um, some positive news. We learned of a potential uh, new owner for the former James Brewing Company building uh, on the corner of 3rd and Washington Streets. Uh, at last month's Industrial Development Agency meeting, uh, the owners of Wicked Warren's Brewing and Restaurant said they are in the process of trying to buy the property to open a Wicked Jimmy's there. Uh, all that depends on those owners getting the funding. Is the city... Do you know if the city is part of that plan for funding? There was some mention maybe of green lining, but... Yes. So um, the IDA has come in and met with me personally and before this was even announced. And I think a part of their original plan, as always, is to throw in the combination of the JLDC with a low interest loan as well as any grant funding that would work for the facade or any of that thing, CDBG funding, any of that. So it's always on the table. Um, January, the JLDC did not meet. Um, We're actually trying to narrow down some appointments because we've had some people leave. Uh, Obviously, we have a new finance chair, so Brent will be serving in that role. I've appointed Jeff Russell, and by virtue of office, uh, Tony Doltz does. But um, in coming into office, there were some quirks I found with the bylaws that I think we need to fix and, and make sure we involve downtown manufacturing and a true representation of what JLDC should represent and move forward with that. And our goal is to meet the third Wednesday of the month. We're shooting for that still and hoping that that's going to happen for our yearly for your yearly meeting. Yes, yes. So So that would, I'm looking at the calendar. So February 21st, that would be the big date. Well, I hope to be there myself. But yeah, I think that, you know, when it comes to, um, this is obviously something we heard about through the Chautauqua County Industrial Development Agency. But when you see this kind of development interested in downtown, you know, what does that give you hope? It does. It absolutely. One of the biggest things I heard during the campaign, and in actuality, I met with some of the downtown businesses. They're there. They want that action down there because not only does it impact them, I mean, you look at, you know, the furniture store, you know, they said to me, I don't live here, but I used to love to leave Friday night, go to the brewery, go to dinner, then maybe go to a movie or go to the Reg for an event. I think it it adds a new thing to the downtown that I think might spark some other things down the road. Okay. When it comes to um, you and the public, you've had some more people get interested in talking to you. And you mentioned to me before we started uh, talking that you even had students come and talk to you recently. Yeah, it's actually a great uh, endeavor that um, Pat 
Smeraldo has taken through uh, his organization and with a teacher in Maple Grove, ironically. In, um, if you recall, they also announced the parade. They did that first video with that. That was, that was their inauguration, if you will. So um, although people could somewhat were critical of it because they, you know, it was a new learning process, not realizing that was high school students. I think felt a little bad after that, but I did have eight to 10 of them come yesterday with their teacher and Pat came in and um, they actually had lunch in the mayor's conference room and then we talked and did an interview and um, as you know I'm a huge proponent of youth engagement and I think um, they saw that they liked that that was um, they liked the community engagement initiative and I I think that was probably one of the best things I've had so far because it's about our future and this is a group that's with um, collaborative children's services I think yes. they call it CCS TV yes yeah correct and Justin Gould is helping them with that from you know I also know they went to visit uh, PJ Wendell and did an interview with him prior to coming to me. So they hit both of us that day. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. And we talked about things about, you know, community engagement to development. To, it, it was all over the board. It was a very nice conversation. Well, even though it's not on our airways, I'll have to go check it out online. Uh, hopefully they'll have that up. In the I next... will be sure to let you know. <laughs> all right. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? Uh, you know, I, I, I hope um, the public is still incurring that patience. I know they don't always like to hear that and like to see things happen, you know, right away. Uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. We've had a pretty smooth transition, all things considered, um, but there's a lot more to come. There's things that we're working on and things that come up in the middle of the day. The state of the city address is still coming, and I know I promised it by the end of last week, but... Um, we've we've had some things come up that are uh, you know they get shifted to a higher priority one being the assessor's office because we were out of state compliance so things have to shift in balance and as we get through that um, we will continue to inform through you and your monthly and anything that we can do to get word out of what's really going on the most important things but I will say that all departments are working hard and trying to find that new look new thing how we communicate better uh getting more engagement you know i think we saw some action last night at the city council meeting and i don't always want you know the the negative action i want people to come and say great job you know we like what you're doing can we do more um you know one of the biggest issues that came out of last night as you know is always a hot topic is housing and um, i sent a couple initiatives to crystal and, and elliot the corporation council last night of some things that are being done places looking at so we are doing things behind the scenes and we're obviously not going to bring something forward until we know that it's it's really what we can support and do all right and yeah having sat in at the housing committee meeting last night um there, there's a lot of feelings. A lot of people have strong feelings about housing, which is good. You want people passionate about Absolutely. their city. Um, and, you know, comments about, you know, what is happening? What are we doing? And I think one of the things that came up, was, I, I'm trying to remember who brought it up, but um, questions about how people can get involved. How I mean, if, if you have any words of wisdom to offer there for how the general public can help with anything? You know, at this point, uh, you know, there's there's certain things, and I know people don't like the connotation with a neighborhood watch through the law enforcement, but neighborhood watch is not just being a narc, if you will, for the police department or whatever. Um, we have one in my neighborhood. I've had it for years, and it, it's not only about 
you know, the public safety police side of it. It's also about communicating things such as, hey, uh, you know, there there's um, parking as not on that side anymore. You might want to move your car before you get a ticket. Or, you know, I see you guys haven't been out of the house. Are you okay? Can we help you with something? It's all about being that neighborhood and being that good neighbor to help take care of. So I think some of those initiatives start in your own backyard. Um, but there certainly, I think, and I'm hoping that maybe we can get some community involvement and some initiative in things. Um, obviously, the world of liability makes it hard to say, hey, let's go do a cleanup over here and just clean up someone's house. But certainly your neighbors can help a little bit because they know more what's going on. So I think also then from, from the other side of that is nobody knows more what goes on in your neighborhood than you who live there. So therefore, if there's something you see that's starting to go downhill, report it sooner rather than later before it becomes such the eyesore that they come so disgruntled and so unhappy um, last night that those feelings come out a lot stronger. And I think that would help as well. Mm-hmm. And I think you bring up a good point. I mean, with Neighborhood Watch, I said, that's one of the things it does is that it make I should say, it does. It does make people engage with their neighbors. And, Absolutely. you know, one of the things that we've learned as a society that we've gotten away from that. And that is an opportunity where people can reconnect and say, okay, who are my neighbors? Who do I live next to? And maybe even head off some of these issues even before they become an issue. Absolutely. You know, uh, many groups have neighborhood text groups, they have messenger groups, many neighborhoods. Even if they're not an established neighborhood watch, they have identified themselves as, you know, we have the Harris Avenue neighborhood watch chat. And we've been, we've actually pushed that chat group out to involve, you know, streets around there. So, you know, hey, there's a lost dog. Hey, someone, is this your dog? Do you know whose cat this is? It keeps showing up in the middle of the night. Things like that that you know, just engage in conversation. You know, people are busy. Lives have changed differently in the last 20 years. You know, parents are working. There might be a single family. It might be a single parent, you know. So at least keeping that open for communication, even if you may not go sit on their porch for a cup of coffee like we used to do, you still have that open line and communication that helps solidify your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Something to think about. So thank you for those thoughts. And and, uh, Mayor Eklund, I appreciate you coming in today. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll be talking again next month. All right. Thank you.